Hi, it's Sean with T-Shirt Voice Lessons, and today we're going to talk about belting. It's the word for the day, belting, <laughs> all right? And what I mean by that is singing with power, okay? A lot of people call it that, call it, use the word belting for, you know, a Broadway belter or some pop singer that just belts a note amazing and amazes audiences and all this stuff. Well, the f- thing about belting is that a lot of people want this because more is better to most people. Same thing with high notes. You have that same problem with high notes being better and better and, and so on. And the same thing with belting. More is better. More powerful is better. To some degree, developing power is a sign of vocal development and a sign that your voice is getting in the right place when you can project your voice. But there is a huge difference between projection and just sheer force of volume. Because you can be loud and not really be projecting. And I I know that seems kind of strange, but I wanna explain that a little bit. But before before I do that, I have a story. I always have a story, so I have a story this time. (laughs) And this is about me. When I was a singer and I learned how to develop power in my voice, and I, could got, I got to work at Phil Auditoriums and all this stuff. And I was doing this performance that we didn't have microphones or anything. We were singing it in a fairly acoustically balanced uh, auditorium, a medium, small size auditorium. And in this performance, I thought it was good for me to just project my voice. Well, I thought I was projecting, but not by the definition I just gave you. I wanted to just get loud and be big and loud and impressive. And that's what I was, that's what I did. And I was this main character in this presentation type thing that we were doing. And I could tell that the people that were in the audience were impressed by this, the volume of the sound. But there was like a little weirdness in a sense, like the response was kind of strange. And of course, if you have been around audiences enough, you know that you can't actually go by what they actually say because very, very few people tell you what they're really thinking. You have to go by what they, how they say it and uh, kind of with your own replay of the event. And when I went back and replayed what I did, kind of checked against their expression <laughs> when they told me, gave me feedback, I realized I was, I was basically just slamming my notes into their heads. I mean, everything I had to sing was big. And if and when I got really big in this one part, I rah, but it was that part could have been set up so much better if I had been more sensitive before that. Instead everything was big and big and that part was even bigger, which was it kind of worked, but it didn't. And it kind of was half you know what performance because it was all barreled through too much. I realized afterwards that I needed to fix that, and it didn't. Luckily, and I am very thankful that I that this got brought to my attention in a way that I thought of fixing it early. It was uh, maybe only a few days later when I replayed all this and thought about this and worked on it with voice my voice teacher and other voice teacher after that. And over, it took a while. It took probably a year and a half to get to the point where I understood the more dynamic range that's needed for performing and phrasing and all this stuff and how even on the belted note itself, the power notes that I had to sing for different things, 
they had to have a flow and a projection to them that was actually equal to the same flow and projection that I would have for, for soft notes. And I got to where I could sing a soft note across the auditorium and make the audience feel like I was whispering it into their ear. And once I could do that, and I had a voice teacher that specifically trained me on singing those intense soft notes, once I could do that, my power notes were so much more powerful. They were resonant. They had the full dynamics of my own voice. All the overtones were there. It wasn't just this heavy mm, in your face, <laughs> you know. So that was that was a great development. And once I got through that, I wanted I want I want now I want many people to develop this too. Now, what I, there's two parts to this whole discussion of belting. One part is the physical part, and we just did that. We I just talked about how I was heavy and and pushing my notes and and shouty and stuff like this and many singers do this you feel like louder is better so therefore you are going to be loud no matter how you accomplish it so some people singers practically shout at the audiences some some do it all the time some do it only during this big climax moment and the truth is you almost are never going to be on pitch you're not going to have vibrato or you're going to have fake vibrato and it's going to sound fluttery and obnoxious and audiences will be impressed because the average audience member is impressed by loudness and overacting and and high notes and things like this but really you didn't connect with them because they didn't feel what you were trying to express because if you're just hitting it and hitting it and hammering people it's not going to work your notes are almost always going to be sharp or flat and it's it's not going to work i've worked with so many singers that did that i worked with this one uh, one singer in a few shows where uh, she was trying to, to me, her idol was like uh, Barbara Streisand, you know, like 80s Barbara Streisand. Um, <laughs> she wasn't that old herself, the, the, the girl I'm talking about, the female that I'm talking about, but I guess that was her, her inspiration. And unlike Barbara Streisand, she, she approached her big notes with this edge and this err and it didn't work at all she thought she was like oh i'm i'm just really feeling it i'm really feeling it i'm like you know it's not working because you're not you need more flow and i had some physical things for her to do and she would not listen because she kept telling me how she was feeling it oh i felt it and they told me i did a good job like as if what's wrong with you i they're all telling me i could have did a good job but i'm gonna tell you right now people don't listen to audiences just like i said a minute ago because they're telling you that because they're impressed. Yeah, they're acknowledging the one good thing that you did do, but they're not telling you all the other stuff. They're not telling you that your notes were off and kind of made them cringe. They're just saying, wow, you were really big. That was powerful, that ending. Because audiences are very nice, and that's that's just the way they are. And some of them that are mean, then um, you know you might get some, fortunately get some good feedback. So anyway. That was those two stories. I had a little mini one with uh, with that one singer. Now, I, I don't want to go on and on about the physics. There's a lot of things that happen with notes being off, no vibrato. You don't have all the overtones in your voice projecting out. You just have this dead, more of a dead sound. Sometimes people sing their heavy voice up and all this messy stuff. I, I have a thing I'm working on. I'm I'm calling it belting sins to avoid, and it's going to have a bunch of sins. All right, <laughs> now. 
There's another thing, though. This is about the effect of desiring to be a belter and desiring to belt. How what that effect has on you as a professional and as a singer and as a performer. And this is the story I'm going to tell about two boys. I'm going to call them boys. They were kind of, I don't know, 17, 18, 19 range. Uh, and I had worked with them when I was fairly newish as a voice teacher. And I got the ability to develop power in singers very quickly. In their cases, that's exactly what we did. And I'm using these two as a duo because they were, I taught them around the same time. And I think of the same event because I don't want to repeat this. Uh, I don't want to repeat this. I don't want this to happen again. So without going into names, because I swear these people are going to listen to this one day and they're going to be, they're going to call me, were you really talking about me? So I'm just going to be as generic as I possibly can. They're probably still going to figure it out. But anyway, so one of these two, um, we're going to make up a name that's not his name. We're going to say Bill. That's not even, the people, yeah, anyway. So Bill was a, a singer who did enjoy singing. He, he really got into singing as I worked with him, and he, he got more into it as I worked with him. But we got his power developed where he could just fill an auditorium. But there was a lot more he still had to do. He developed some freedom. He got some more notes. He got some more range, but he could fill a whole auditorium. And after a while, as often happens when someone develops quickly, is he kind of, in a sense, forgot where he came from, sort of. He still acknowledged all the work that we did together, but he, he felt like it was time for him to move on. And he did. And there was a show that he was in and where I, at the end of this performance that I went to, I said to myself, I created a monster. And it was very similar to probably Frankenstein reacting to his monster where he has this monster he went he was so fixated on making the monster that when it's here he's afraid of it and walks away now i was i didn't do that i wasn't like oh, your voice is hideous and I'm, I'm running away and, and leaving you alone like dr victor frankenstein did but I, but in this case i saw this and i thought oh man he doesn't even he's not even singing the part that his role he was in a, it was a theater thing I mean, he sang rock also, and he sang a lot of jazz, and now he sings a lot of jazzy stuff, and he's pretty decent at it. Uh, but, but he didn't. He was playing a theater role. He didn't even know what his character was about when I talked to him about it. He didn't even know the anything about the character. He hardly even knew what the character was, because to him it was just him getting up and singing a bunch of songs, and it was all about his voice and about projecting, and about filling the auditorium, and audiences were like, oh, that was amazing. I could listen to your voice all day and all this stuff, <clears throat> because that's what audiences do. They're impressed by power. If it's a straight play, they're impressed by overacting. If it's a rock singer, they're impressed by craziness on stage and by a big voice or a high voice. That's the way people are. Now, that was his case, and I feel like if he would have had more of a sensitivity to himself as a musician and as a performer and then had the desire to develop his whole voice, I have a feeling he would be he could conceivably be a, a famous singer today. He still sings, he he's pursues it. It's it's a hobby of his now and he enjoys it, but I think he could have gone a lot farther 
were it not for this attitude of I've got this now and I'm I'm on it, you know. Now, that's one one monster story. The other is very similar, but it it was uh it, it was it was it turned in a bad direction where this story I this is this is a student that I still keep in contact with and I know how he's doing and stuff like this. This other person uh, I'm going to call him James. <laughs> what are these like Anglo-Saxon names? James. Uh, so he, um, James, developed a voice from a range that was like so small. And when he came to me, he had a range of like seven notes. I, seriously, it was like maybe, uh, yeah, that's about it. It was like a one octave, less than an octave range. And he kind of sounded like Kermit the Frog. Not to make fun of anyone, that's just how he sounded. And we worked for a while. He was pretty dedicated. He was just he was a good worker. And we got his voice to where it was it was full ranging. It was two and a half octaves. It was big and he could fill an auditorium without a microphone. He could probably fill a two or three thousand seat auditorium easily. And then he could even in even in his later days of high school, he could actually sing some of the uh some of the operatic tenor stuff really well. Even some stuff by Pavarotti and stuff. And I felt like once he got there, where he developed this power, especially the power side, until we got to that moment, we had other things going on in development. But until we got to the power place, he didn't go to this other zone where he decided, I'm done. I know everything I need to know. And then... It went even to a dark direction. He actually forgot where he came from, ignored any training that I ever gave him, and decided to say that all of his, everything he learned was from another teacher who he had later. Even though, if anything, that person probably ruined his voice. And it was the strangest thing. Uh, I have never heard from him since then. But even worse is that he never went anywhere. Why did he why did he not go anywhere even though he had this amazing voice that that could bring tears to someone's eyes or someone's eyes if they heard it even in high school. It's to me that sad story is from developing power too early. And I feel like that was my mistake as a teacher. I developed these monsters and and I was fixated on just making them amazing and impressive, but I didn't give them all the tools. They developed the power too quickly without the responsibility. And I don't want to ever do that again. And I'm this half of this discussion about belting is about that because I will never want, do that again to a singer. I, I will do everything in my power not to let that happen. And if you're a singer who wants to have, wants to be a belter and be impressive, I want you to think about these stories. Let's replay those two stories and think about what happened to these singers. It wasn't a good ending because neither of them became great singers, even though physically they should have been. You should know their names right now, and especially in a couple of the, actually in either case. But the problem with them is the problem that you could be in danger of falling into is that if you even want to have vocal power, you want to be a belter and you want to have that power on to, to just wow an audience, then you as a professional are compromised every time you have that thought. 
just like these boys, I'm calling them boys, <laughs> um, you're, you're not the best that you can be. You don't have enough sensitivity to the material you're singing. The lyrics you're singing, if you're a rock or a pop singer, the broader show, if, if you're in a, a musical or something, or an opera, you will not have these things if, if you have the attitude of, I want to be big right now. So the, the odd second thing of the strange bit of, of the desire to belt is the danger that it has on your professionalism. And I really want people to know that belting is okay, but even better is just letting your voice grow and project. And think instead of belting, think a more honorable thought. And this honorable thought would be something like, I want the fullest and richest voice that I can have. That's okay, because that's your voice. It's just fuller and richer and more powerful, but it's your voice. It's not, I want to be big and loud and amazing. That's different. That's, that's reaching for someone else's voice. You're thinking, whenever you think that thought, you're thinking of, a, of an example of another person, like that singer that I talked about earlier, thinking of Barbara Streisand. You're thinking of someone in particular. You're not thinking of you. And when you go and think, I want to be richer, fuller, more powerful, so that my voice comes out and becomes its best, that's an honorable thought. You will not betray you. It will not compromise you as a professional. Audiences will connect with you. And people will come up with a completely different attitude when you do that. And it, it, will, be, it will be a wonderful thing. That's, that's the voice you want. I remember one time I sang at a funeral and afterwards I, I was at the, the party for the funeral. Uh, at like, I guess, I don't know what you call it. Like a, it's almost like a funeral after party. And this one relative, one friend of the family, I think, said came up to me. He must have come up to me like 15 different times telling me how great I sounded. Like, man, and you sounded so great. And he kept, he just wouldn't stop. And I realized, you know, I wasn't, and I I was so happy about how humble I felt in that moment. And even when I was performing or singing, I was, and I remembered that experience because I had moments where I, I had to really rip the song. I mean, I had to really rip it out there and let it fly because it needed, it called for it. But there were moments that had to be very sensitive and soft, and I had the full range, and I knew it. And I, and, but the thing was, I wasn't performing. I wasn't performing. I was honoring the person that passed away, and I was honoring everyone there. And I, I wanted just them all to be comforted, and I wanted to express that as humbly as I could. And then, by the way, if you have never sung for a funeral, it, it's the most humbling experience because it's not a performance, and it, it won't be. And it really helps you to, to realize the, what singing can really do for people. So that told me that I needed to be humble and let my voice be. And, and that's, that's the kind of thing that happens. And so you will connect with people. Just like that person telling me 15 times about how, how amazing everything was. Um, you will connect with people in a real way. And it won't be like just barreling over their heads and smashing into them and, and being amazing and showy. So let's get some humbleness and let's, let's resonate. Resonate your voice into every space that you sing. 
And as I go through this, I, I'm developing a book and a program called Belting Sins, literally Sins to Avoid, because this is a major topic. And there are so many sins that are related to this topic, both professionally and vocally. And I will tell you about that. But I really, the most important message right now is for you to take these stories and remember that it's about your voice becoming richer and fuller not anyone else's, and not trying to reach out and become big and powerful. I'll see you next time.